Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Kurt. Good morning, church. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Who's cheering for Kansas City? Raise your hand. Some. Who's cheering for San Francisco? Raise your hand. Who's your like me and you don't care at all? Raise two hands. <laughs> hey, I can tell you how excited I am to be with you today. I want to say a big thank you to Pastor Kurt and Pastor Eric for uh, the honor we have, the privilege we have to be here today. I know that Pastor Eric don't give his pulpit often, so I don't take that for granted. And uh, I want to say this, uh, Pastor Eric is the most mission minded pastor I ever known in my whole life. And this made of you the most mission-minded church I ever met. You're blessed to have Pastor Rick as your pastor. Can we clap for your pastor this morning, church? Pastor Rick Thomas, come on. Come on, you can do better than that. That's your pastor. Come on. Uh, Thank you for supporting us financially. Uh, with your help, we, we were able to plant four and soon five churches in six, seven years. And without your support, that would not be possible. And in those churches, we baptized in the last six years, 600 people. This is Montreal, okay? It's a hard place, but God is faithful. I want to say thanks to you. Thank you so much. Without your help, will not be possible. So we love you guys. I want to introduce you to my family. Uh, this is a picture of my wife, Karine, and I, and our four kids. And I will also you to meet, this is Pastor Josias with his family. He's the one we send it to plant in Gatineau, the one you supported right now. Uh, we are in a pre-launch meetings, and we gathered about 95 people in pre-launch meeting, and we pray that uh, September 4th, 14 is going to be the real launch, and some of you may be there to help us launch this church. Um, today, um, my preaching will be in, uh, in English, but I'm French-speaking, natives French-speaking, and uh, I'm better preacher in French, okay? So you have to apologize my English, uh, and I thought to myself this morning, okay, hey, maybe I should preach the sermon in French and pray for the gift of interpretation of everybody, <laughs> and the sermon would be better, but that's not, probably not going to happen today, so let's preach in English. My topic this morning is impossible prayer. Impossible prayer. What kind of prayers do you pray? Do you pray small, safe, things that are gonna happen anyway? Things like, oh please God, give us a safe trip. That's not a hard one for God. Buckle up and it's gonna happen, all right? <laughs> uh, or please God, heal me from my cold. Of course, you're going to get better in two, three days. It's just a little cold. So I'm wondering if sometimes we pray to the God of the universe and he's like, that's it? That's all you got for me? I'm God. Ask me. Test me. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we should not pray for small things. God is a good father and he wants to be involved in the small things of our lives. But... We are also called to pray for big things, to ask for impossible things. Amen? Yes. 
Now, some people will say, why asking God things if he already knows everything? I don't understand all the mystery of prayer, but here's what I know. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us how to pray, and he said this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, in heaven, all things that happen is the will of God. But on earth, God is looking for partners. God is looking for people that will pray his will, that will pray according to his will so that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's not that God needed to work that way. It's that God chose to work that way because everything God does, apart the work of the creation, Everything God does, he always do it through humankind. Even the work of the redemption, he did it through a man, Jesus Christ, the man. So maybe that's why the apostle James said this, you do not have because you do not ask. Because in, in God's economy, things are not just happening. People say, God is sovereign, it will happen. Let me tell you, God will not do it until somebody will partner with him to pray according to his will. Now, to pray big prayers, impossible prayers, is truly praying by faith. But what is faith? It's not tangible. What is faith? What is praying by faith? I want to give you three principles this morning to pray with faith, to pray, to pray big prayers. And the first is in Acts chapter 4. But before we read the text, let me give you a bit of context. In this text, the apostle Peter and John are going to the temple, and there is a lame beggar at the gate, and he wanted money from them. But Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give it to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And the guy was healed. But the religious leaders uh, get upset, and uh, they arrested Peter and John, and they warned them to speak no longer to anyone in Jesus' name, and they let them go. So Peter and John went back to the church, and they reported how the religious leaders threatened them, and in response to this, they called a prayer meeting. And we have the record of this prayer meeting in Acts 4, verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nation rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers bend together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus verse 31 after they prayed the place they were with, uh, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the spirit and spoke the word of God boldly Amen. friends this is big 
bold, impossible prayer. Three principles to pray big prayers. The first is in the text is this. Pray with scriptures. They begin their prayers by quoting scriptures. They begin their prayers by quoting the Psalms. You see, when you pray with scriptures, when you pray based upon scriptures, it gives you confidence and authority in your prayer. Just don't pray random prayers. Pray with the word of God. For example, in Daniel chapter 9, the prophet Daniel found out in scriptures that the land of the exile in Babylon was prophesied to be 70 years long. And this period was over, but Israel was still in captivity. Why? Because God was looking for a partner. God was looking for somebody that will pray his will according to his will so that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he found out that partner in Daniel. So Daniel began to pray for three weeks for the end of the exile. It's the word of God that gives him confidence to pray impossible prayer. Another text, Romans 10. The Apostle Paul says, the faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God. So the Word of God increased my faith. So praying with the Word of God is praying by faith. When I was a youth pastor, I made my first ministry trip in the U.S. It was in Cincinnati, and uh, it was a conference, and I, I booked an hotel room for me. And arrived at the front desk, I asked for my hotel room, and the lady said, sir, we don't have any reservation at your name. I said, but lady, I, I, I paid this with my credit card. And she said to me, sir, do you have a confirmation number? And I was young and stupid, so I asked her, what, what, what is a confirmation number? And that day I discovered that a confirmation number is a number that confirms your reservation. And I learned the lesson painfully because I had to pay for my room a second time. Now, fast forward a couple of years later, I'm in Quebec City for a family vacation, and I had booked an altar room and arrived at the front desk. I asked for my room, and the lady said, sir, we don't have any reservation at your name. But this time, I said, oh, no, <laughs> I have confirmation number that confirms that somewhere in your hotel there is a room for me so I don't care lady if you're gonna have to kick somebody out of here <laughs> I don't care if you're gonna have to build a room for me right now there is a room in your hotel for me even if I don't see it even if I never went in it I have the evidence the confidence the assurance the faith that in your hotel, there is a room for the Potier family. Can I get a witness this morning? Yeah. But why I was so bold this time? Simply because I had a confirmation number. You know what, friends? You have a confirmation number. The word 
of God is our confirmation number. The promises of God are true and amen. Can we clap for the Lord this morning, church? Can we clap for him? Come on. I don't know what you're going through, but you have a confirmation number. Maybe you don't know how you're going to feed your kids next week, but you have a confirmation number. My God will meet all my needs according to the riches of his glory. Some of you are afflicted in pain. You have a confirmation number. Praise be to God, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all afflictions. Some of you are lacking strain this morning. Emotional strength, physical strength, spiritual strength. You have a confirmation number, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. When you pray with scriptures, it's powerful because you know that God is not a liar. Amen? Now, when you pray upon scriptures with scriptures, uh, the enemy will try to convince you that what God said in this is not true. I lived it, you lived it, you, you experimented that before, but you know what I do when those things happen, when the enemy comes to me and says, this book is not true, God will not, did God really said, I say to the enemy, talk to the hand devil, my God will meet all my needs according to the riches of his glory. Can I hear amen this morning? Come on, come on. Pray with scriptures. Pray with scriptures. But secondly, pray with perseverance. In Matthew 17, Jesus' disciples tried to cast an evil spirit from a boy, and they couldn't. So they went back to Jesus, and they said, hey, master, what happened? And he explained this, verse 20. He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. When the Bible speaks, when the gospel speaks about uh, mustard seed and faith, uh, usually we think about smallness, the smallness of the seed. But there is another reason why Jesus used that metaphor. Listen to what Pliny the Elder, a Roman naturalist of the first century, wrote about mustard. Mustard, he said, when it has once been sown, it is scarcely possible to get the place free of it as the seed, when it falls, germinate at once. Did you get that? Mustard is a persistent seed. Mustard is a perseverant seed. And when you sow mustard in your garden, you need to take care because it will outgrow everything else. In other words, friends, the mustard never give up. Where are the mustard people this morning? Where are the faith mustard people this morning? In Luke chapter 18, Jesus wanted to taught his disciple that they should always pray and never lose heart. And he tell them a parable. We call it the persistent widow. 
And he closed the story in a weird kind of way. Look what he said at the end of the story or in verse 8. He said, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What? Jesus, I thought you were teaching on prayer and perseverance in prayer. And you closed the story with a verse on faith. So according to Jesus... To keep praying is to have faith. And to stop praying is a sign of unbelief. I would argue that when we stop praying about some things, it is more an unbelief issue than a laziness issue. Hmm. Keep praying. Keep praying. Have you stopped praying? My Mom and dad were prayer warriors. My dad was with the Lord right now. My mom, she's still alive. She's 85 years old. She had me at 43. Can you imagine that? I was kind of a surprise for her, okay? I was not planned. Uh, but they were prayer warriors. And for almost 40 years, they prayed for revival in our city every Wednesday night. They never lacked. They never missed a prayer meeting. Never. They were prayer warriors. And all their lifelong days, saw almost nothing. Just handfuls of people came to Christ. They saw almost nothing. But in the last six years, we saw more than 600 people get baptized in Montreal. You maybe not realize what this means. I mean, it's not Bible Belt. It's Montreal. It's so secular, you cannot imagine how secular it is. It will blow your mind. I have some friends that are church planter uh, in California, and they say, uh, David, planting a church in California is like planting a church in Sodom and Gomorrah, which I answer, oh yeah, you know what? Planting a church in Montreal, it's like planting a church in front of the gates of hell. <laughs> But you know, church, what Jesus said about the gates of hell? That they shall not prevail against his church. Jesus is building his church in Montreal, in Norfolk, in Virginia, and to the ends of the earth. But what changed? What happened? Why we see this suddenly? Let me tell you. I think we are reaping the results of my parents' prayer. I think no prayer was wasted. I think that prayer is like accumulating interest. I think we are some kind of dwarves that's sitting on the shoulders of those giants' prayers that preceded us. I'm telling you this morning, there's absolutely no substitute to prayer. No substitute, no time off, no workout, no money, no conference, no coaching, no concert, no counseling, no friendship, no family time can replace the life-giving effect of prayer. Amen. Let me tell you, as a, as, a, as a human being with a will, every act of your will will require energy from you. The act of your will that makes your body move re requires energy. 
But even those that the body is not involved, just act of the will, just a thought will require energy from you. There's only one act of the will in the whole universe that will not take energy from you, but give energy to you, and it's the act of the will to draw closer to the Father, to get closer to God in prayer. And this is the reason why many of us are so tired, so fatigued, so drained out, because you stopped pray. You stopped going in the presence of the Lord to refresh and replenish and fill your soul every day. I'm here to tell you, church, keep praying, keep asking, keep pushing, persevere in prayer. If you want to pray big prayers, pray with scriptures, pray with perseverance, and thirdly, pray with passion. Passion. James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. He says, pray with fervor. He says, pray with passion. My French translation says, pray with energy. I would, I, okay, let me, let me explain to, to you this way. He's saying, Pray like a black person. Don't pray like a white, boring person. <laughs> you get this, right? This, I can say that. I'm Canadian anyway, so I can say this. Pray like a black, passionate person, not like a white, boring person. Pray with passion. You have to mean it. A.W. Tozer said, the theologian said, you need to pray until you pray. And sometimes we pray and we know we didn't pray. It's not related to time. It's related to passion and to the heart. Pray until you pray. I discovered what praying with passion was at age 15. I was invited to a prayer meeting and I grew up Baptist. Uh, How many of you grew up Baptist like me? Wow, many people. Okay, uh, you, you know this? Uh, you, if you didn't grow Baptist, you have to know this. You don't have to be Baptist to go to heaven. But why take a chance? Don't take a chance on this, my friend. <laughs> just, just kidding, okay? Just kidding. But if you grew Baptist, you know this. That we Baptists can make prayer meetings so boring. That, you know, you know what I'm talking about. That even the angels don't want to attend the prayer meeting. You've been in those, right? I've been in those. But at age 15, I was invited to a different kind of prayer meeting. It was a bunch of grandma, 15 grandmas. And I showed up. I was the only kid. When I showed up, they were so happy. They were like, oh, David, this is so fantastic that you're here. David, David. They were all, all, all so happy. And they began to pray. I was shocked. Because I never saw that before. Those grandma were so passionate in prayer. Some of them were kneeling. Some of them were lying on the floor, crying screaming like babies for the souls of people they don't even know. 
And I was like, I don't even pray like this for the people I know. But that I learned what praying with passion was with those grandma. And I kept going. And I was the only kid. And I tried to apply this principle in my ministry. When we started the church in 2013, before we started, uh, I took a 10 days of prayer and fast. And uh, it was a difficult time because I was so attacked by the enemy. If you decided to pray and fast, let me tell you, you will be attacked. Doesn't matter. Keep going. Keep, you, you gotta, if you don't feel the, the benefit on the present, let me tell you for sure you will feel the benefit after. Okay? So keep doing it. Keep doing it. But it was hard. It was a hard time. And uh, during that season, I, I, I was meeting, I had a meeting with a lady that was supposed to help me to find a, a place to meet for our new church. I was looking for a location for nine months. I did the whole city, not not found anything. It was a no, 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 no. Everybody was saying no to me. And I met with that lady and she said, "Uh, sir, how can I help you? I said, we need a a church, a place to meet. And she said, all right, uh, how many seats are you need? And I said, "Uh, we need 400 seats. And she just looked at me and said, why? I said, because that's what we think we need. We, we think that God will do something new, something fresh, that the prayers of all those years will be answered and God will do something. And she looked at me, why? And, and I kept talking to her and she didn't get it at all. At one moment she said, young man, you don't understand that the average church in Montreal is 42 people. What are you doing? I said, madam, no, it's, you don't understand. We need 400 seats. Can you help me? She said, no, I cannot help you. I said, all right, God will help me. So I went back and began to do phone calls. Every places I called that I had a no. And one high school that I had a no, a non-polite no. You know, like a a cold no. Uh, uh, And the guy said, "Uh, sure, yes. I was like, "Uh, do you remember? (laughs) Do you remember you said no to me? Let me tell you, people can say no to you. The whole planet can say no to you. But when the God who rules the universe say yes to you, the yes of God is more powerful than all the no's of the earth. Let me tell you this. And we had this place. And we started 400 seats and some people said it is too big. It's going to kill the project before it started. But the day we launched the church, everybody was amazed. We were amazed. It was so full. We had people sitting on the floor. But what is that? This is the results of years of prayer of people who were faithful in prayer and continue to pray even if they don't see the immediate results. I want to close with this. I want to wrap up all those three principles in one story. I, uh, I have a brother um, older than me who... Um, was raised up in church, grew up in church, but after, uh, at 18, he left God, faith, church, and he began to have a, a life uh, of partying, drinking, spending money, um, and uh, it was, was just a mess. Uh, and it was hard. It was so hard for our family, so hard for my, my, my parents. Uh, he was, for many years, what we call a prodigal son. And... Uh, my mom, she kept praying for him every day. 
She never stopped. Every day she was praying. She find out in scriptures this verse, Proverbs 22, 6. Start children of the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So my mom began to pray with scriptures, with perseverance, with passion for months and months and months, and nothing seems to happen. In fact, it looked worse than ever. At one point, we were without news of my brother for six months. Now, this is before social media, before internet, before cell phones. At this time, if you had no news, you didn't know if somebody was alive or dead. And one night, my mom was so anxious, as the worship team can come back, please. Uh, my mom was so anxious that she couldn't sleep. So in the middle of the night, she woke up my dad and said, hey, we need to pray for our son. What is happening? Is he dead? Is he on a road somewhere? Is he in trouble? We just don't know. We need to pray for our son. So my dad woke up. They, they hold hands together. They kneel beside the bed and begin to pray to God. Oh, Lord, have mercy on our son have mercy on us. Lord, we pray that you will bring him back to you and bring him back home. Lord, do something. We plead with you, Lord. Do something is hard. And, and he, they, they said this. My, my dad said, Lord, can you give us a sign that our son is still alive? It was 2 a.m. After 30 minutes of prayer, they went back to bed, and a couple minutes after, the phone rang. You know who it was? The police. Mr. Potier, this is uh, Officer So-and-So. Do you have a son called So-and-So? Yes, my dad said, what he did? The officer said, sir, don't worry, he didn't do anything wrong. We were just uh, controlling him because we thought the car was really big for 18 years old kid. It is his car or a stolen car? My dad said, no, no, it's not a stolen car. It's his car. So the officer said, oh, sir, I'm so sorry to, that I had woke you up. And my dad answered, officer, thank you so much for calling. We were not sleeping. And my dad yelled through the phone at my brother that was in the, police, in the police car. Hey, son, come visit us. And my dad heard him. Yeah, dad, I'm going to come, I'm going to come. But he didn't come. For months, didn't come. One morning, the phone rang. My mom took the phone. It was my brother. He said, hey, mom, I'm in town. Can I come to see you? She said, sure. Here it's your home. It's your house. You belong here. You can come anytime you want. So he came. 
But this period was so difficult because the relationship between him and my dad and my mom was so, a lot of tension. So uh, my dad did something that maybe she, she shouldn't, but it was, it was a bit in the flesh, but uh, with, uh, with a spiritual uh, appearance, he, he said, son, I'm going to read you Proverbs 4, 5, 6, and 7 about the son who shamed his mother. And he read that all through. And at the end, my brother was so mad, he looked at him and said, are you done? He said, yes. So he got mad, left the house again. My mom began to cry. All this mess again. All the same scenario again and again and again. Um, And he went outside, and he jumped in his car to leave the home. But this, this Saturday, it was so cold. It was so freaking cold. You think you know what cold is here? You have no idea what cold is. It was minus a thousand degrees that day. And my brother tried to start his car, but the car wouldn't start. It was like... And after two, after two minutes, it was like, <laughs> so he got mad, came in the house, and said, I need to call the garage. My battery's dead. But my dad, that was full in the flesh a couple minutes before, became full of the spirit in a moment. Just by the grace of God. The Spirit of God came on him, and he said something so strange. He said, son, you're not going to call the garage. You're going to go back in your car, and you're going to start your car. But this time, your car will start. It was a word of knowledge. He said, your car will start, but this is going to be a sign from God. That you're still a child of God and that you need to come back to the Lord and that you need to come back home. Go start your car. But my brother didn't think it was a good idea. So he said, no, not going to go start my, my car. But my dad was six foot three, 235 pounds, and he sang louder than the whole church all together. So he said, you're going to go start your car. And my brother said, all right, all right, all right, all right. So the kid went back in this car, and my dad followed him outside. It was minus a thousand. My dad with no coat on the outside. And he jumped in his car, he put the key in the contact, and my dad was just in front, front of the car. And before he turned the key, he looked at my dad and he did this. You know what this means? Same in French, English, Spanish, Chinese. Okay, the same. Crazy old guy. It's not gonna work. But he turned the key, and this time, the car didn't start. The car started so strong that it even exploded. It was like, and it was a big eight-cylinder. The steering wheel was shaking in his hands, and he was like this. And my dad in front of the car was like this.
he left again. He left again. He didn't repent. He left. But a couple of months later, we had a call. Mom, it's me. I have good news. I've met some Christian friends. I started going to church. I'm going to get baptized next month. And I want you and dad to come to my baptism. And by the way, I met a girl. She's Christian. And I want to marry her. Mom, dad, I'm back to the Lord. Mom, dad, I'm back home. Now, yeah, we can clap for this. My parents prayed with scriptures, with perseverance, with passion. In fact, they prayed with faith. This is what pray with faith is. It's not a weird thing. It's pray with scriptures, pray with passion, pray with perseverance. I don't know where you are right now sisters and brothers have you stopped praying have you stopped believing God for big things you know what we do as Christians sometimes we're so so bizarre we we begin to pray small because we want to protect God's reputation if he don't answer our big prayers God don't need you to protect his reputation. God wants you to pray big prayers according to his will. Have you stopped praying? Some of you have a mountain before you. Crisis in your family, in your marriage, with your children. Maybe you have a prodigal son or daughter. Maybe you have a crisis in your business or work or any other area of life have you stopped praying we'll keep praying it's time to go back to the altar this is the song they're playing right now we as Christians tend to think that the altar is the place you give your life to Christ and it's for unbelievers who come to Christ for the first time. Let me tell you, the altar is for every one of us. We need to go back there. Jacob went back to Bethel where he built this altar for the Lord. We need to go back to the altar every day and I guess some of you haven't for a long time time the only prayer time you had was as a tool to get what you want not as as a heart that will be aligned with the will of God so that his will would be done not as a heart that will say God this is not a tool just to have my toys God this is a way that you provide for me to be in relationship with you and in your presence at your altar I receive fresh fresh bread and fresh water for my soul I really do think 
we all need to go back to the altar. And I had this, this, this thought this morning when I heard this song. I, I said, we need all of us to go back to the altar. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Can you just uh, stand up where you are? Stand on your feet, please. And uh, here's what I sense we have to do. Uh, no matter how long you're Christian, five minutes or 50 years, we all need to go back to the altar. So in a second, what I will ask you to do is everyone, everyone, you'll come forward at the altar to respond to this message, to say, God, I need you. I don't care if you're saved. God, I need you. God, I will start again praying big prayers. Believe for big things. I will not fall on, in unbelief, in laziness. I will go in your presence and ask for big things and ask you to refresh me and to rebuild me. So can we right now, as a step of faith, tell our bodies something our soul needs is to come to the altar. So everyone, come back right now. We're going to just pray for a moment. We're going to sing this song, and I'm going to pray for you. Everyone in the balcony, you're, you're welcome. We would love you to come, every one of you to come here. And I want to to pray this prayer for you. Can Come forward, come close, please, so that everyone can come. And as we come, we're going to sing this uh, chorus maybe two times, and I will pray after. So, brother and sister, lead us, please. Come on. Come to the altar. The altar, the Father's arms are says that the father's arms are open wide let me tell you the father's arms are always wide open always all the time no exception his mercy is greater than your sins than everything wrong you did his arms are stretching out to you the question is not are the father's arms are open the question is Your arms are open? That's the question. So we're going to tell our soul and our heart something powerful this morning. We will answer back our Father who stretched his arms to us, and we will stretch our arms toward him. Can we just, can we just raise our hands, our hands toward God? And... As we do this as a symbol, we say to our heart and to our soul, go in the Father's 
arms. Lord Jesus, we want you more in our lives. We don't want to live religious, boring lives. We don't want to pray only small prayers. We want to live in the supernatural of God, and we want to pray big prayers. And we will pray and keep praying for our sons and daughters and our prodigals and our neighbors and those mountains before us. God, we know that you're strong enough, that you're powerful enough to take them and and throw them in the sea. You are so strong. We believe in a great, powerful God. And this God is our Father. And our hands are stretching out to you. We come back to the altar this morning. And we pray that you will refresh our spiritual lives. Refresh our prayer lives. Refresh our quiet times in your presence. That this year, that this decade would be different than last year and last decade because we're gonna go at the altar every day of our life. Lord Jesus, right now, I pray for those people who had stopped praying for big things. I pray now that they gonna pray again and again and again until they see the glory of the Lord in Jesus' name we pray and all the church say amen and can we clap for Jesus this morning come on come on he will answer you he's so faithful can we sing this one more time together come to the altar let's go let's sing that oh, come to the altar. 